You now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on thesonicbreakdown.com. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson, and you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. If you haven't checked out a review or looked at the website, please check it out. So today we have a special guest in the building. The special guest joining us today is Jason Terrell. And uh, he's going to be joining us for a segment I call Let's Talk About It. And we're going to get to know him a little bit more and get to know about the great work that he's doing. If you don't know about him, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about him and then I'll let him go into a little bit more detail. He's the co-founder slash director of a great organization called Profound Gentlemen. And then we'll get into that a little bit more later. um, But I want to get to know about him first and get to know about the man behind uh, the organization. And so... Where are you from, man? Let's start with that. The, 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 the <laughs> like basic the number one question. Yeah. yeah um, so I was uh, born and raised in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. So primarily on the Cascade, that area is near the airport. Okay. Yeah, um, I know exactly where that area is. Yeah. So uh, 1710 Runners Row is the street, street I grew up on. So my grandparents still live there. Okay. Um, so I was I was raised by my grandparents. So, uh, you know, kind of they, my, my grandfather's a pastor. So he you know, kind of raised in the church um, back home. But that's kind of where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that because my grandmother had a big influence on raising me as well as my brothers. Mm. Um, so I, I understand how how special they can have a, a space in our hearts as well as influence us. Definitely. Um, how do how do you think, especially the fact that uh, your grandfather's a pastor? How do you think that influenced you as as a child as well as you know moving forward till now? I definitely think you know my granddad had a you know has his idea about giving back to like the community. You know, mm. so if you meet him, he still like does. He's retired, but. He still goes into like nursing homes and, and, you know, he's, he's 75 years old himself and preaches and, you know, he always wears a kufi and daishikis and different things. So he's very Afrocentric, but, um, so I kind of got a little bit of that from him, like that kind of Afrocentrism that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also like this idea of like always doing work for the community and supporting, you know, people that you care about and love. And, and so a lot of those traits I still kind of carry with me and, um, still hold dear to myself. Uh, what about your grandmother? Yeah, so she's a big influence. My grandmother, she stayed at home. Um, so she was uh she retired. Um, based on, I you know, I never knew her to work. I know she used to she used to work, but when I was uh, you know, when I came up, she wasn't. So my, my parents, they um I was you know, my parents are in my life. My parents had me in high school. So okay. for the most part my, my grandparents raised me because they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I started living with my parents around like six or seven, maybe eight years old. I was just kinda with me and my parents after that. I can definitely uh, re- relate to that experience as well. Uh, very similar. My grandmother was very instrumental in, especially my youth. I remember elementary school, her taking me to, to walking me to, to uh, kindergarten hmm. and things of that nature. Um, and then later I moved in with my mom and stuff. So yeah, I, yeah, same I experience. Yeah, exactly. And I know that that had a had a tremendous effect on me in a positive as well as a negative. How do you think that related to you? Hmm. I never thought about the negative. I think you know. I, but that speaks to your character, though. Yeah, you might be a, just an optimistic person. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that I know. I'm thinking actually now that there there are like some things that you know I didn't necessarily agree with with my grandparents, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they come from a, a you know their old school mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just be, you know, I'm, you know, I was born in the 1990s, so we just have a different <laughs> set of thinking on um, when it comes to a lot of issues. So even though I'm very much supportive of the community, very much supportive of like giving back, but I, I do it in a different way than my grandparents do. So I never thought about the negative implications, but there there are some um, when it came to that. Okay. Uh, do you have any siblings? Yes, yeah, so I'm the oldest. It's four boys. Um, so I'm I'm you know I have a 19 year old brother, a 13 year old brother, and then a, he just turned two. 
um, but a two-year-old brother as well. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so there's a big gap. So everybody is back in Atlanta. My other brother, he's in college right now. He's a junior. And then, yeah, so then me. So I'm, the, I'm you know, I'm, I'm the oldest. Again, I can relate to that. I'm the oldest of three. Yeah. Uh, my my younger brother's two years, and then my the youngest brother is six years younger than me. Wow, so yeah. I definitely understand that, the that, gap. that gap. Yeah. As well as having siblings closer to you as well. Yeah. Are you, are you close with your siblings, all of them? Yeah, yeah. For the most part, I think, you know, I'm closer with my 19-year-old brother. Like, every summer, he stays with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he you know, I try to give him an internship, whatever city I'm in. Obviously, he comes up and lives with me, sleeps <laughs> on my couch, whatever. Um, my 13-year-old brother, we, you know, because he's 13, he's still in his little he's in his little age right now. But, you know, when I go home, I always just check in on him. And then, of course, the two-year-old brother doesn't know it just yet um, who I am. But yeah. I definitely want to – I need to be more present. But, you know, when I'm at, when I'm home – I try to at least like see him and mm-hmm. you know just play with him a little bit. Was your relationship with your 19-year-old brother always as close? Because I noticed with me and my brother, we were close when we were really young and then as we got I'll say mid-age, like middle school, high school, we were so different yeah. that we we were always butting heads, we couldn't understand our differences. Right. And then as we got older, we kind of got back to how we were when we were younger. That's exactly like we're how, really yeah. close now. That's exactly how we were. Um, so my, my brother, he's very similar to I am in terms of just like how we grew up, you know, very same ideals, but we have completely different personalities. So I think when we were younger, we just played together. But by the, by the time I went to middle school, high school, I started to kind of, you know, we just have our differences and how we do things. But I think we're now we, we have more of an understanding. He's becoming like, you know, a, a man in his mm-hmm. own right. And so I think we're able to see eye to eye on some things and we just respect each other's differences. Exactly. Um, but that, that took a little bit of time to do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With maturity comes growth and, and, and understanding. And with right. that understanding, you allow things tend to bother you less than right. before it did. Um, yeah. At least that's what I, I, I occurred with me and my brothers. Yeah, definitely so. Do you see them following in your your footsteps when it comes to the community service work and things of that nature? Mm, not necessarily. I think that's where me and my brother, we don't necessarily see eye to eye on okay. always, um, which isn't a, you know, yeah, isn't a, a bad, bad thing. thing. So, Everybody. you know, he, he his goal is like he wants, he's studying earth and environmental science and he okay. wants to do something with science and something I can't even exc- you know, describe. <laughs> so um, he just has different interests. But I think that, you know, he, he, he definitely, we, you know, again, grew up in the same household. So he, he gets it, but he just has different, you know, a different walk in his own life. Which, again, is just something that, you know, I had to kind of grow to respect on his end, too. Like, he's not going to be like me, which is per- you know, perfectly fine. You know, there's more, you know, everyone has their own little path that they have to kind of walk through in their own journey. And uh, how's, your, how's your relationship with your, your parents? Yeah, it's, it's better. <laughs> so, I think, you know, I feel like I, I've always been a little, like, and kind of contentious with my parents just because I grew up with my grandparents for the most part. Um, but I think, I think I, as I got older, I think for me it was more a maturity thing on my end. So like I, I'm more closer with my my parents aren't together, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm more closer with like my father. And then I'm, I've always been kind of a mama's boy a little bit, but <laughs> um, definitely developing more of like a bond with my, my dad. That's cool. That's great that the understanding is coming because like very similar to yours is I started I garnered a, a better relationship with my mom. Um, as as I got older, right. Not everybody gets that though, so hmm. and not everybody understands that. And sometimes it's too late. Yeah, I mean, so, I th- yeah, I mean, I think that's like again, like growth aspect. You know, we we grow and and we see things differently, and perspectives change. Um, so I think definitely think that's kind of what happened. What were your interests in high school? So I think for me, I had a so I had a weird kind of high school experience. So for me, um, I went to like a Taiwan high school, like a low income high school for the first like two years. Um, so we we went through uh you know, my family, we had like, we, we experienced like the first set of like the housing crisis. Like we were, um, we had our home foreclosed on, 
Wow. Um, so we were like kind of like homeless for like a year. Um, and so I think after that experience, that changed like my, my perception. Before I was into girls and basketball and football and which was still the case afterwards too. But I, I had I wanted to figure the priorities out priorities changed. Like my priorities changed. I started figuring out like I want to be more into like social justice and helping people after that experience. So that was like the defining moment for me. Wow. Since that point, did you automatically knew that what you wanted to do or you just knew that you wanted to do something to help the community? Yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do okay. and still don't know. <laughs> but I knew I knew it was something like I wanted to do. Whatever I need, wanted to do, I wanted to be like with people and with helping people and service. Um, This idea of like just being like a servant and get don't know really what capacity that's in. But mm-hmm. as long as I'm doing that, I feel like fulfilled. Good. You went to college at Foreman University. Right. Yeah, so, you know, funny, I wanted to go to Morehouse. That was, like, my number one school, but I didn't get enough money. <laughs> so I went to Furman, which is in, uh, it's in Greenville, South Carolina. It's, like, a small, private, liberal arts co- uh, college. Yes, yeah, so I went there. Um, so, I, you know, I just applied. ended up getting some some funds to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, not full ride, but, like, I got enough funds to kind of keep me going. Yeah. And what was your major? So I, I double major. I studied political science and philosophy. Um, and then I had like a concentration <laughs> in like black studies. So right. I was just like reading. Um, that's, I, I love to read. <laughs> so that was something yeah. that I always did. So I hated math, science. I knew I didn't know really like, what I wanted to study. So I just kind of took a whole bunch of different classes and found those two. Um, it's kind of be like the track that I wanted to go on. And when you took the political, when you took that as as one of your majors, were you going on the influ- the idea of a lawyer? Yeah, in that exactly. direction. <laughs> so like. I think when I was 10, I said I want to be a lawyer. So I think that it wasn't something I went, like wanted to do. It was just something I said. And so I just kind of stuck That's with weird. it. I really didn't figure out what I wanted to do until maybe my like last semester, senior year. It's just something I said I was going to do. So I needed a path just to keep my parents like, you know, calm, everyone at bay. Um, <laughs> like, so I just said, lawyer. I'm doing something. <laughs> right. I'm doing something. Like, it's something. And then... You did your um, graduate at John Hopkins, correct? Yeah. So um, it was a it's an online degree through. Um, so I did Teach for America out of college. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they have like a program with John Hopkins. You can get like a master's online while you're teaching. So during my second year of teaching, second or third year of teaching, but I think second and third year is two year program. Mm-hmm. I got it through um through them. What made you decide to go into that program? What was what um, was the evidence behind that? To be honest with you, it was just like the opportunity, and so it was almost like the door open for me. So I just didn't, you know, I I really didn't. I never thought about a master's degree in education before, but again, it was just, they, they presented the opportunity and it was, we were able to use some of the funds from Teach for America. We had like AmeriCorps funds to pay for like some of the, like the coursework. Um, oh, wow. So it was like really cheap, wasn't bad. Mm. It was online, so I can kind of do it at my own pace. So it kind of just makes sense to do it. And that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that we talk about on the podcast often is, you know, when opportunities present themselves, being in a position to take it yeah. and being prepared enough to take it. Right, exactly. And so... Because I'm sure you're not the only one that was offered that, you know, but you were in a position to be able to take it and to do it. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So to and to make, uh, you know, make a lot out of it as well. Right. What was that experience like? So I don't I hate online learning. So for me, it was just like it was just something I, I guess kind of like what you said. It was just an opportunity to do. It was really easy because it was online. I would feel like I wasn't pushed because I'm, I'm, I have to have somebody like in my face to kind of like motivate me and keep me going. But it's kind of like the idea of that, you know, of a door opens for you, don't close that door. Mm-hmm. And that's something my India and my grandparents did kind of instill in me is like kind of the idea of blessings. And like mm-hmm. when these blessings mm-hmm. come before you, like don't shun your blessings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how how those those things that happen to us when we're young have an influence on us later. And we might not even realize it yeah. until like, you know, we really sit down and analyze it. Right. Yeah. What was the what was your experience like for Teach for America? How was that? And how did that spark, or was that the spark that got you to the point where you are now? Yeah, definitely. So um, I applied to Teach for America, like, last deadline, my senior year. I didn't, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I applied a couple of law schools. 
end up getting TFA. Um, so I was placed in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm. So I taught eighth grade for one to two years and seventh grade for one year. Um, so I taught three years in the classroom. I end up loving my experience. Um, I know some people have like different opinions on it. Um, but I think again, I was serving mm-hmm. kids and I was like, you know, in the community, I coached football and baseball. So I was always with kids and after school. Um, and so I think for me, I've I decided I wanted to do something with education. Um, like while my, while my experience teaching what I, what that was, I didn't, I didn't still didn't know yet, but I knew it was going to be something with kids, something in that space. So look, it's, it sounds like just again, hearing your story and, and maybe our listeners will, will come to this conclusion as well is that there's a lot of things that were set kind of in play from at a young age that just kept on helping mold you into finding this path or are guiding you into finding this path. Because like you said, your grandfather instilling that, that idea of service and community serving the community. Right. And then uh, the situation that you went through that made you realize like, you know, I can have an effect on people and I want to get people out of the position or help them not be in the position that I was in. Right. Right. And then it just keeps on fostering and fostering. And then you got the opportunity with the John Hopkins program to like build that even further. To build that even further. So it just yeah. it just seems like things are just pushing you in that direction and it's just adding up to to this culminating factor. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, uh, you know, as I was like, I have a plan. Then, like, you know, I do, I'm, I'm kind of a spiritual. So I think I, I have a plan. Then I think there's a God's plan. So for me, like, every plan that I've always had failed. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to go to law school and it didn't work. You know, I wanted to go to Morehouse. That necessarily didn't work. So I feel like I was pushing. Whatever direction I'm being pushed in, I just kind of had to just go with the, the punches and go with the flow. Um, so not really resisting it, but more embracing that. And that's that's something that I, I definitely believe in is is if you don't want to call it God, if you don't want it, whatever you want to call it, whatever name you want to put on it. But yeah. I do believe that there are things that are there to push you in a certain direction to be the best you that you can be. Exactly. Yeah. And some people don't see it, don't accept it. And try to fight it, and some people go with it. Just a lot of, because a lot of the things you're saying is, is a lot of the things that I went through. I wanted to be a doctor. I'm not. Right. <laughs> but everything happened to get me to the point where I am now, and hmm. I'm happy where I'm at, and I can still see that it's still guiding me into in, into the direction. Because Lord knows, little ten year old D Ray will uh wanted to be would do podcasting right yeah would, you would never be know. doing a, a a website about music reviews right i always knew i loved music i always knew that but it's you know so i just think that's really important and really special that you you're understanding how things are navigating you to your point yeah um, exactly that's powerful i wanted to ask you going back to the teach for america because i, I think it's very admirable for teachers. I am the worst teacher. I, I just, I have patience, <laughs> yeah. but I don't have patience. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have a tremendous patience with patients, like when I'm working in the medical field. Right. But trying to teach somebody because I'm not teaching them anything. I'm extracting information. From right. Them. right. That makes sense. Um, now, trying to instill information, that takes a whole nother type of patience. <laughs> and so yeah. I want to ask how your experience was from the different age groups that you did as well, as just as outside of how you felt about it, but just instilling information into the So, youth. yeah. So for me, I, I loved eighth grade. Um, so eighth grade was there about 14, 15 at that point. So that's um, the sweet spot for you. That's, that's the, the sweet, sweet spot. right there. <laughs> Seventh grade was rough because <laughs> it's just like they have a lot of energy and it's almost like you got to match your energy. I'm not necessarily, I'm, I'm low energy. I'm like mild energy. Like that's kind of the tone that I have. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, for my classroom, I set that tone and my eighth grader just fell in line. They were kind of cool. I played mm-hmm. jazz in the background. We were just cooling it. 
but the seventh graders came in their height, you know, and so I had to figure out how to match they that. They on that, that future, that Migos. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, you know, even though I was like a third year teacher, I still had to like, I was like, man, I feel like I was a first year teacher again because mm-hmm. I was a whole new age group, whole new experiences and that is so mature. So you did the eighth grade first? Yeah, eighth grade for two years and, and then, then I was seventh. moved down to seventh okay, grade okay, um, okay. for a different team, a different team mm-hmm. and that is seventh grade for one year. But yeah, it was just a different experience. Even like the type of conversations I could have with them, you know, the maturity level wasn't necessarily they're just they mean they're they're just coming from sixth grade, eleven mm-hmm. years old. So I couldn't have deep conversations with them just like just yet. So mm-hmm. um, by the end of the seventh grade year, by like March, let's say maybe February, March, they started to kind of mature up a little bit. But it took some took some growth for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question that because I, I like playing sometimes devil's advocate yeah, in cool. innocence. Do you think? your experience would have been, or do you think you would have got to the same point? Again, we'll never know this question is the thought, thought experiment, but if you taught the seventh grade for the two years first, <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. I because, think I would have been more prepared to teach eighth grade. Probably if I taught seventh grade first, just cause I would have known, I, I mean, you know, I would have probably knew how to interact with that age group a little bit better. Mm. Um, but it's just that it's such a gap between the two mm. that I wasn't prepared for. Even though it's just one age, like, one age, yeah. or, or one grade level, rather. Yeah, one, uh, yeah. And that's why, like, it makes sense when they have those jumps from elementary school, middle school, high school, right. because there is there it's a big is, jump. Yeah, yeah there, it's a big jump. Even though it is sometimes a year to two years. Yeah. So taking it from there, like, what was the transition point from that point? Um, so I I did TFA um three years. I was going to continue going. Um, and actually, this is another you know another way of just like things open for you. So I had a, one of my friends that was in TFA with me. He taught same subject, same grade. Um, but we had always kind of just talked about like education equity and changing communities and different things like that. So around like my second year of teaching, we used to do like, you know, just like dinners and just like house parties for teachers that we, you know, that we knew. And we wanted to focus on like, how can we build more of a community of like men of color who were teachers, like black men who we knew. So that, you know, we started doing these dinners like maybe every other month, you know, every now and then. But it started off like two teachers would come, then like 10 teachers, and like 30 teachers. And it was like, <laughs> wait a second, like, we're on to we, something. We, we got we, something. We, we got something. So let's figure out how to like put some programs behind it, metrics behind it. We ended up applying for like a fellowship. My second year of teaching, it was like my, sorry, my third year of teaching. We applied for this fellowship. I had never heard it before, I just found it online submit an application and we got accepted to like the final round, which is going to New York and pitching it. Oh wow. Um, we didn't have any programs, no metrics <laughs> behind it, but we ended up going and pitching it and they loved the idea. And so they funded us. So part of the funding was that um, we had to one, leave our jobs. So, and it was a, it's a two year seed funding. And that was like kind of the start of what we're, what we're doing now, but it was very like organic, you know, it wasn't like I was set off to start a nonprofit. I have, I just, you know, we lived, we, Literally just got our nonprofit status like last year. So we're just still very new, still trying to figure it out. But yeah, that's where I'm at now. That's amazing. And I want to go back a little bit. And when you started first having these meetings, the the group started to grow and grow. What made you decide to continue? Like, I know you said that, you know, it started and you realized you were onto something, but like something had to push you to say, like, let me look for these fundings. Let me look for something like, and what was that? Because I like getting to the cause of it so that we can inspire other people to do the same thing. And so that they don't miss their blessings or miss their calling or miss their direction. Definitely. So, yeah. So for us, it was, um, it's very intentional. So our, our focus was, we had all these men of color in the space. Um, they were all teachers. They're all doing great work in their community. But the thing is, is that, you know, once we started looking at some like data and research behind, um, like black male teachers, men of color who are teachers, we found out that there was like, 2% 
2% of all your teachers in the country are men of color. So most of your students, but especially your, you know, boys don't have like, people, people never have a to. black male teacher in their, in their life. And that was really inspiring for us. Like I was, you know, I had some of my students came up to me, was like, Mr. Terrell, like you're like my father. I'm like 22 years old. You know, I'm looking like, wait a second. Like this is, this is a lot. Yeah. This is and a lot I said the same thing. Yeah. I said the same thing to my business partner too. Like you're like a father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, it was like, all right, how can we, how can we really like help these teachers to be the best they can be for their kids? Cause we know how much of a, of a role they play, like, you know, in, in the school. It's a tremendous role. Yeah. Um, I can remember me as a youth, uh, I've had two black teachers in my life before I got to college. Right. And one, one, one of them was in high school and one was in elementary school. And both of them, I remember to this day and were instrumental, especially uh, the one in elementary school. Uh, yeah. He's the reason really why I do like reading as much as I do. He, yeah. they, that, that fostered that asking questions and, and trying to dig deeper. And that's that's what gravitated me into liking science and math is hmm. because you're always asking that question of why, how, right. you know, with especially with science. And so he fostered that in me. And I don't think I would be at the, the place I am if I didn't have that. So it is very important. Probably, and I yeah. do do definitely agree with you. Um, I don't know the statistics. I'm not going to act, act yeah, yeah, like yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. But I will say from my experience, and I lived in a lot of places. And like I told you prior to the podcast, that I lived in a lot of places that have been diverse. And I only, like I said, had two black teachers in my life hmm. were they were they males and both of them luckily well not i won't say luckily because it's either yeah. that they were male the one in high school i at that point i didn't need it as much at, right. of that 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 i guess fatherly figure or that male role model that i can look up to and say okay this is what i can try to aspire to be right i can take these admirable qualities that you're exposing and distributing yeah. to me i saw him do that to another level um, with a lot of a lot of young men, right? Yeah, and so that's when I realized how of an impact it really has outside of myself, right? That makes um, sense. So yeah. and so I can say like to I can validate that I can see that it does help. And uh, brother to the left, he's one of the students of the teacher that I'm talking about. He wouldn't be in college if it wasn't for hmm. for that teacher. He said it before. I'm not I'm not saying anything that he wouldn't say. Right. So it is important and. It, like I said, that's why it's very admirable of what you're doing because there's a lot of kids in those situations that need that hmm. um, and they don't have it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's powerful. Thanks. I wanted to ask you, when you and your uh, your business partner started uh, seeing that and, and realizing that and, and finding those statistics of the disparity, did you ever find out a cause or the – or what you can come up with as a cause for that disparity between especially men and women as yeah. well as well people of color i can i can come up with a <laughs> right a, a conclusion on my own um i would think that's probably pretty accurate but yeah so there's there's two like kind of like big stat like stats that we like to kind of like we, we found that's like really important to our work so the first is that um so there's like a big issue with when it comes to like recruiting like, you know these men to be teachers but like mm-hmm. the biggest issue is actually like keeping them in the classroom so most of them leave within like a year or two so the, it's like more, over like you know a quarter of the teachers will leave men of color specifically will leave um in a in that two-year time you know time frame compared to like two percent one percent for any other demographic okay um so the one of the biggest reasons why there's like a barrier of entry is because um, one is like the lack of like mentorship. So once, you know, I was fortunate when I was, when I was a teacher, I had another teacher who was a, he was like a, another black brother 
13 year veteran. He kind of took me under his wing and like kind of groomed me to be a better educator. Mm. And I I think I wouldn't have stayed even for past my TFA term if it wasn't for him. Mm. Um, so that was like really important for me. A lot of teachers don't have that. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of teachers that we you know, we work with who are sometimes the only like black males in the whole district. So like, you know, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, so that's like one of the biggest reasons. The second reason is like, we it's like a theory we like to throw around. It's called like, you can't be what you can't see. So oftentimes mm. if you don't see a male educator of color, you know, it's really hard for you to say, I want to do that. Like I never thought about being a teacher, but I never had a black male teacher anyway. So I didn't think, you know, I never thought education was like a pathway for me. I just didn't even think about it. So that, um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, because before, before, before president Obama, right. I remember my freshman year in college, my, my roommate, his best friend, he was saying he was going to be the president. Hmm. And I remember saying in my head, as well as out loud, <laughs> right. <laughs> bro, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Because like you said, because I've never seen it. Right. I couldn't believe it would happen. Right. So like that just, and then the fact that I saw it, I was like, okay, well he has a shot. <laughs> right. It's a small shot still. Yeah. But yeah. I, it, it's a shot. It, yeah. It went from zero in my head to, you know, a percentage. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that is true and and important. Um, and it's not just for teachers. It's, it's I mean, as any any profession, like doctors, lawyers. That's what like, got me into being a doctor. Is yeah. I had a really bad asthma attack when I was very young, mm. and the doctor that assisted me was a black doctor. Mm. And he, as soon as I thought, as soon as I showed that I was interested in medicine, he literally was like, "Oh, he started sending me books about med- medical wow. stuff," and and that kept me from from that point on until college i kept doing it you know it's kept me on that track and i'm still in the medical field so it's yeah it's, you're here it's still yeah it affected me that much so seeing him in that position made me feel that i could do it right that it was possible that it is attainable and so it is important to have those outlooks and that's why we talk about on, on other podcasts as well is that we have you have to have demographics or diversity in every demographic right. in every area because if you don't like on TV in like in every aspect because it allows it it does affect you psychologically. Right. Um hmm. did how do you how's the program how how's the first couple of years well you're still really young in the yeah. program but how how was the first year? Um so we're kind of like in we started in 2014 mm-hmm. but we really didn't I I started full time with the work in 2015 August 2015. So this mm-hmm. is about maybe a year and a half, two two years and a half, mm-hmm. two and a half years, excuse me. Um, so we've learned a lot in that time frame, but we've grown a lot. So, you know, again, we've flipped our program model like five or six times <laughs> just because we're growing. We, we're learning the landscape, we're learning new things. Um, so right now, basically, we're a membership-based organization for for black and men of color who are educators. Um, they receive professional development, community building, um, support, mentorship. And our goal is to keep these teachers in the classroom longer, mm-hmm. um, longer than like the average so it's really retention focused, but we use like this idea of like building community as a way to keep teachers invested, keep them in the classroom, help them understand like their purpose, why they're there in the first place. And so they'll stay longer. And I want to go back to a little bit when you said that you got the funding, they said that you had to stop working in essence. And was that because they wanted to make sure that you devoted 100 yeah. percent of your time, that that it wasn't a hobby or you yeah, know, exactly. that it was that you're trying to make this actually a career or you yeah. know, a, a, an actual, you know, not that it wasn't an actual thing prior. But, you know, they really, want to be uh, real. Yeah. yeah. And we took a, I mean, I was a teacher in North Carolina. So we like one of the lowest paid states for education. But we took a pay cut to do like do what we're doing. So mm-hmm. um, initially. 
Um, and so for us, it was like we had to go. And that was a, a big just like a leap of faith, you yeah. know, just like we had a door that was open. We had this funding. And it was just like, look, we can take a pay cut, which we were still want to make in a lot and do this work. But we didn't know like it could have failed the next year. You know, we just kind of took a leap of faith and just kind of kept my fingers crossed. But uh, I ended up moving out of my apartment into another apartment. that was smaller, (laughs) like downsized. Like I made a lot of I traded my car and got another car. So I made a lot of sacrifices to do the world I'm doing. Um, And so, you know, the goal is that. You know, just kind of just, you know, go all in now. You know, I had nothing to lose. And, you know, I kind of came this far, so I feel comfortable that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, be just dropped off now. Mm. And that's admirable because, like I said in the Will You Stand, uh, Stand, Sit, or Take a Knee podcast, that's what I was talking about, about the Colin Kaepernick taking a knee mm, and yeah. everything is that at that point we were talking about trying to invoke change and trying to 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 make a change for the positive, especially for people of color. And what I was, I continually say, and what I will preach is that, and I I have to bring it to music because, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the podcast started by music, but in the high four hours, J. Cole says, change is slow, always has been, always will be. Hmm. So if we want to expedite yeah. that and make and, and get things to move faster, we have to make bigger and bigger sacrifices because without sacrifice, you won't, nah. there, nothing happens long lasting without a sacrifice. Right, exactly. And like I said on that podcast, it doesn't always have to be money. It can be money. It can be time. It can be family. It can be friends. Right. Something's got to get. Worst case scenarios, life. Yeah. Because at that time, it was people losing their life. But Scott. Yeah, it's powerful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, yeah. MLK lost his life yeah. fighting for it. So yeah, there are sacrifices, something. and I'm not telling people sacrifice your life. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying sacrifice your livelihood. To like, if if you got a job, yeah, keep your job. But we all can do things. Outside of what we already doing, yeah, like I know to my, make things better. Then my business partner, even like with that, like he Ubered on the side. You know, I was like, I I joined. I did like a part time job helping like to recruit teachers from another organization. So we figure out how to you just figure out how to make, make it, work. it work. Um, and you know, just give. But you know, that's still a sacrifice yeah. because you doing you working two jobs at that point, yeah, causing you to get less sleep. Right. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> want you know what I'm saying. So I'm saying, yeah. like that's what I'm saying is people can make sacrifices in in small degrees, and those small degrees can make big effects. And just like your program is doing. Yeah. Because the fact that you just being a teacher alone, you were getting those responses b- by young men, our our young boys that will eventually become men. Yeah. Yeah. And those values instilled in them that knowledge, that that the ideas, the ideals that you're putting in them can foster them to then affect that change and then it becomes bigger and even bigger and it keeps on that snowball effect. Right. So I just, again, I just think it's very powerful and very admirable. Again, I can't think of a better word than that. I appreciate it. For, yeah. for that work that you, that you guys are doing with that being said, I want to ask you what were some of the setbacks that you had in, in this process outside of the, some of the ones that you've already named? Um, so, I mean, I think the biggest thing was a learning curve. So, I never ran a nonprofit before. We're like CEOs of a nonprofit. No, didn't know what that looks like, how to set a budget. Um, and my role specifically is like operational management, money to finances. So again, I'm not a finance person. I studied political science and philosophy in college, <laughs> never taken a finance class. So for me, it was just a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just read. I just read a lot. Pretty much anything I can read about how to do a nonprofit, how to set up a 501c3. Research, research, research. research. I mean, use Google. That's like the yeah. best. And YouTube is like the best tool. Yeah. Um, so that was like the biggest step. The second setback was like social capital. So like in order to get funding, you got to know, know people, mm-hmm. um, you got to be in certain circles. Networking. So I, again, I was a teacher. I never talked with a funder before. I don't know what a funder conversation mm-hmm. was. So a lot of that was 
you know, again, not, it was research, but now it was researching people. Like, who are the people that I need to be reaching out to? What are they saying? What, what are, are they, they doing? Exactly. With but that that has to come with a balance too because you don't want to be too eager and yeah. and just like bombard <laughs> people because <laughs> yeah. but you don't want to be too laid back and not get what you need at the same time yeah um yeah how so was that navigating through that that was hard um because you know initially it was like I'm just reaching out to everybody like hey I would I, I need we need money we need like finances for our program and for our own personal pockets like so at first it was just just really, so we can live yeah so, like, yeah, so we can yeah. live so you know it took a while for me to get to a balance where it was more strategic mm-hmm. but at first it was no strategy behind it it was just whoever can give us <laughs> money um at the time um so now it's a, it's a lot more strategic we have like a plan of action how we mm-hmm. do things how we like fundraise and different things like that okay um but also I think it wasn't a setback but I think the thing that helped us the most was like a team so I think we you know, my, myself and my business partner, we're a good team. We're the completely opposite, but we work together. He does our program work. He's perfect at that. I do all the behind the scenes. Complement each other. We complement each other. And then we have a board. So the board was like some of our friends who were like, yo, we're down that. We can't necessarily give you $5,000, but we can work. We can help you, you know, write email, do emails, Giving, phone calls. Sacrificing just a little bit. They sacrifice their time. Time, right. So I think that team, you know, definitely helped us out a lot. That's amazing, and that's that's something that uh, we've talked about on on again on the podcast before about just having a good team around you, a good network around you. Um, usually, we talk about it in the in the creative essence of right. with other musicians, um, like on the Sons of Silverton podcast uh, when he was in uh, the Watabi tribe, he was talking about how the the energy that they have. And him with uh, Kyle David, how they work together. It's just when you're around creative people, it creates more creativity. When you're around good people or you're around people that have the same idea, the same focus, even if you are different, it helps move that dream along even better. Definitely so, Um, yeah. How was it finding those people to to help build that team? Um, How how was that process? Um, so for, for me, it was very organic. Like my my uh, my roommate was on, like my one of my best friends. This is from uh, from college. He was my roommate at the time. He's on on our board. So it was just like the people who we knew in our circles mm-hmm. who we could trust. So that's how it started first. Like kind of keeping it, the circle small. And I'm I'm na- I'm naturally a person where I keep I like personal relationships. So the people I really trusted. Um, again, even they don't you know he doesn't have any nonprofit skills either, but he can at least help me. Mm-hmm. Um, help me research. Help me navigate some of these spaces. And how's your family in accepting this? Because this is kind of similar in a different way to uh, a starving artist or a starving musician. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, it's the same. <laughs> you're not. This ain't gonna get you no money. This yeah. ain't go. This ain't gonna pay your bill. Like yeah. in in most people's minds. But if they stick around for the vision long enough, it will pay off. But you gotta. You yeah. gotta, You gotta have that long. T- it's a marathon, not a sprint. And they were skeptical at first. They were kind of like, you know, at first they didn't they didn't think it was real. It's kind of like, okay, so you're gonna do this for like you know a year, and then you're gonna get a real job. Yeah, this is a this is a little <laughs> hobby, okay? Yeah, this is a hobby. Right. You know, it's cute. You got a little website, everything. Um, so it's, it's just like a star of an artist. I cause you know I'm not. I love hip hop. I'm sure we get into that. So I'm not a. I don't rap or nothing. But for me, my creativity is like my work, and this is mm-hmm. this is kind of my my Same. my yeah. creative space. So yeah, they they just treat like it was a star of an artist at first. <laughs> They're yeah. on, they're on board now though. Um, they're on board more now. Yeah, more <laughs> so now they're like, all right, we get, we kind of get it. We see. I've invited them some to know events that we might have. I invite them out, um, so they can kind of see it firsthand. So they get it now. Um, but at first they were they were kind of just like trying to figure it out. Um, I want to talk about some of uh, some of uh, the the awards. Let's explain that uh, the Echoing Green Fellowship. So that's the fellowship we we won that started this whole process. Okay. So that's like our um, so basically what it is is they're based out of New York. 
they fund 50 so like startup nonprofits every year. Mm-hmm. They have three tracks. So the first track, if you're interested in starting something with like climate change, the second one is global. The last one is like blackmail achievement. So mm-hmm. we fit right perfectly right. in that space. So yeah, we had never, you know, I know anything about it. It was just an application. Um, but they just, they really trusted it. And we didn't even have a program, but we, they trusted us. Like they kind of just took a chance on us. Um, so we were happy for that. Oh, wow. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people were applying for that and, and that you guys were the ones that, that walked away with it. Yeah. What about the, the Forbes 30, yeah. 30 into 30? Yeah, that that's, was cool. That, that's, that's, that's pretty amazing, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. And so, yeah, it was a, you know, it was, so you get nominated for it. So we didn't, we found out we were nominated back in November. Mm. Um, we didn't really know anything about it, really. We had, like, do a questionnaire survey. And they told us that, they, you know, we will find out when everybody else found out on January 3rd. Um, and so we were just, I forgot about it. Somebody texted <laughs> me like, hey, like, did you check, you know, Forbes this morning? Um, so then I checked and we saw our face on there. Oh, as wow. being nominated. Man, so that was, that was really cool because we had, I mean, this is about, at this time it was two years in. So we put in a lot of work. So it's cool to be recognized for that. Yeah, that, but to me, the, the thing that speaks more to me is, I mean, the word is great, but the fact that you guys had the, the consistency and the dedication to stay with it for that long before really getting, you know, some real recognition. Yeah. And, and then the recognition that you get is, is freaking amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that, that must be gratifying knowing that, you know, finally somebody that that's outside of our world is really seeing yeah. how hard we're working. Exactly. Man, for, you know, initially we're in our own little education bubble. So, you know, but I think you're right. Like it is, it's cool that people are are noticing that. Um, and what we're doing is like, it really hasn't been done yet. Um, you know, even in the space of education, not even with like black male teachers, just idea of bringing teachers together to build community amongst themselves to keep them invested and happy and keep them going. Um, so it's really cool for like almost like to be a little model of what that looks like. Yeah, I'm because that's that's what caught my attention, and that's how we. Is when I saw that I was like, "This is this is an awesome thing that I'm seeing," and I was like, "That's what made me want to get to know more and continue the relationship that we had." Yeah. Um, to getting to the podcast, right? Um, I want to. What do you think is the key to your success, though? Um, I think it is like when I think about you no know, success and, and the key to that. I think it's just like kind of going back to like those values that you know it was instilled in me. So when we first started organization, we, me and my business partner, we sat down, we came up with like, these are our core values. And we listed like, you know, love and unity and different things. But like this idea of going back to the values, like something like, you know, mm-hmm. my granddad instilled in me was like, you know, if you don't need to be rewarded for doing work, there's something you do. And it should be something like, in, I feel it intrinsically, like I feel good. That I'm, I'm helping out. Like I don't need like an award or accolade for that. So I think that this, that kind of helps me be grounded. It's going back to those mm-hmm. values and like what I stand for. Yeah, and I and I definitely I think that that is a benefit because if you like like I've said before, so is if you're looking for money, you're gonna always be chasing money. Oh yeah, definitely. Because yeah. you'll never have enough. You'll never have enough. Think about it now. Billionaires are trying to be quadrillionaires. Right. You get a million, you're like, oh, I need two billion, two million. I need three million. I need a billion. If if you're looking for, you know. Uh, fame, you're gonna always be chasing that because that's gonna be fleeting. Right. The older you get, the harder you gotta try. When you're on top, you gotta try to stay on top. Right. When you're not on top, you gotta get to the top. It's so it's always gonna be something you're gonna try to obtain. But when you're trying to 
satisfy yourself and what makes you happy inside. Again, going back to J. Cole, love yourself. Like nobody's life is better than yours. Like if you just really kind of internalize that and really believe that and do what makes you happy, like you said, helping people makes you happy. And you found a way to do it in a way that satisfies you. Right. That's the same thing for me is helping people and 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 getting people to think in different manners is something that makes me happy. And so that's why the podcast brings me that joy. And then I get the joy of helping people through the medical aspect. Right. Um, so those are the things that, like I said, if I if I if I didn't make a dollar, but somehow I could live. I'd still be happy doing the same things that I'm doing. now. Yeah, I think that's probably like if you, you know, I would do this work. Even you know, I don't do we, I work all the time. It, it's not it doesn't even feel like work anymore. It's just something I enjoy doing. So, like, I, I don't have to get paid for it. The same thing. It's just I just. I want to do, I want to create, I want to figure out different ways to make this better. Shoot, I wish I had more time to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. the problem that I have is like, can we get 28 hours in a day? Yeah. Can I get just a couple of more hours to do more? Yeah. Um. So, and I want you to also, I want you to go into what do you, what are your plans moving forward for the future? Just yourself as well as with the organization. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to like, from the experience of me I told you I have like I think I have my plans mm-hmm. like I have things like God's plans like I've I've chosen not to actually make any plans right now so like and just like, just kind of live right now mm-hmm. like you know fact that I'm you know I'm I'm in the Bay I've never been here before like I'm able to travel and do different things that are real cool and never had the opportunity to do before so for me I'm like I'm not gonna set a next step I'm just gonna continue working on it now so that's that's a good question and I would normally like always have like mm-hmm. a five year plan I've always been like the type of person but this is like, the first time like you know like I don't know. Um, professionally, personally, I have like personal goals mm-hmm. I want to hit, but at least with like, you know, career wise, professional wise, I don't know. But I, I want to, and I want to, I want to piggyback off that is because it can be misinterpreted what you're saying because I, because th- some people might be like, oh, he's just wandering out there. But oh, no. I think there's a yeah. difference between not having a plan but still having a purpose you right, still right. have your purpose i have a purpose and i have a goal and i know what i want to do with the i want the organization to be the best that it can be and, and, and to touch as many people as it can exactly um, so so that's what i mean you don't have you don't necessarily have five year whatever that kind of plan but oh, yeah, you still but, have a purpose right and so i just wanted to put that out there because i don't yeah, want for people to yeah. misconstrue what you're saying in, in in any regard because i know that's not the case right you know? right but um, as, as far as like professionally i'm not like looking forward to like my professional yeah, next like, step is just like making sure yeah. like the, the work is is better and, and serving who it needs to serve like a lot of people are they have their their goals of i want to have a promotion by next year i yeah. want to make this amount of money or yeah i don't yeah, have any of that gotcha yeah um again i just want to say i think what you're doing is really great work and i think a lot a lot of people they need to uh go to the go to your website profoundgentleman.org mm-hmm if you are a teacher out there, definitely listen to the podcast. Leave us a comment. Let us know about it. Um, check out his. Uh, check out the website and donate. We know with the climate that we're in now, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. That education is becoming something that's not on the forefront. Right. right. And education is our future. Without just it, just logically think about it. If your kids are dumb, they grow up to be adults. They grow up to be what? Dumb adults. Right. You have dumb adults that do what? Lead companies, lead organizations, lead countries. <laughs> right. And then therefore you have dumb countries. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying any yeah. country out there is dumb. Right. I'm it's just a, saying, but a, yeah. if you don't invest in education, that's the road that you're leading. Yeah. And like, you know, it starts with, starts with the kids, definitely starts with the people who are these teachers. Like exactly. they're, they're not getting paid, love nothing. 
but doing some great work in some of these schools and really trying to make some impact. So the fact that we have Internet, Twitter, all social media is we're seeing more and more the innovative ways that teachers are teaching. Exactly. And yeah. are really dedicated where, right. you know, uh, the, the brother with the handshakes. Right. Yeah. Even yeah. though I, I saw people stealing that, which is great. Just give him the credit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But um, just that innovative way to get the kids involved, get him, get him. You know, to to have something that resonates with them. Um, I just saw a video last week of uh, the teacher singing about, a, I believe it was a civil war mm. um, to Bad and Bougie. I didn't see that. Yeah. Um. So like, just finding different, different ways, ways yeah. to to match get, the kids' energy. Exactly. <laughs> like you said, exactly. That's a perfect match the kids' energy so that the, it retains with them. Right. Like Jared Carmichael said on uh, his uh, special, if you haven't watched it, you should. It's pretty yeah, funny. It um, he knows uh, more Jay Z quotes than he does Martin Luther King. Right. Of course, that's a joke, but. Well, he probably does, to be honest. Um, <laughs> just most people do. That's, that it's a, it's a truthful statement, which is also kind of sad at the same time. Yeah, but it sticks with you. Yeah, I think, you know. But it sticks with you. But that's my point of that. Him saying that lets us know that there are ways that you can. I'm not saying that you should wrap everything to the kid. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there are times you have to figure out different ways to instill things in them. Not right. everybody learns the same way. Exactly. We've we've learned that. We we know that now. We have to really implement that. And adapt though. to it. Um, so, again, I want to say thank you for for letting us know about that. But if you don't know, the way that uh, me and Jason first started interacting was through uh, Instagram yeah. and talking about music. And this podcast was sparked, started as a result of music um, and the, my love and thirst and wanting to know more about music. Um, and so... What are you listening to now, man? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so music is like, you know, hip-hop is, you know, I, I wouldn't say passion, but that's like my, you know, that's what keeps me going. So, uh, right now, I'm listening to two projects on repeat. So, um, Young Roddy just, like, released a mixtape, like, March 3rd. Um, so, that's one of my, one of my, I like I like his music. I like it what, what he talks about. Um, and then Freddie Gibbs, Ooh. one of his albums. Yeah, that Freddie year. Gibbs. Um, so he has one coming up that I'm really looking forward to. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. But I'm listening, I'm, I'm like listening to all his projects. It's okay. kind of like, you know, keep my, you know, kind of keep the anticipation. So when he does drop his project, I'm, I'm ready for it. But those are the two things that I'm really listening to. And right now there's a particular song by Saha the Prince. I got to shout him out from Atlanta. Um, shoot, I forget the name. Um, <laughs> put I him forget, on the spot. <laughs> I forget the name of the song, but it's a song about. Uh, the new new Africa, that's what it's called. Okay. Um, but it's, it's bad. I haven't it's, heard that one yet. It's good. It's, you just came out with that, but it's, 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 it's yeah. All right, so I'm gonna check that one out, and I'm gonna tell you who you should check out. Who's also from Atlanta? Okay, Jid, Jib, Jid, J I D, J I D. Haven't heard of Jid. He signed to uh, J Cole's new label. Uh, okay. Well, not new label, but label Dreamville with uh Boss. The Never Story. That's his album. It dropped last week or two weeks ago. Okay, bruh. All right, so bad. Have, hey, yeah, bro, it's good. It's 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 good. I've been having it on repeat. It has a tribe called Quest kind of feel on some tracks. Uh, somebody on Instagram said when I when I put a uh, louder, which is the the closing track. Boy, he goes in, and J Cole produced that beat. Man, that beat okay. is fire, and he goes in. But um, so no, most of the artists on on Dreamville, you know, I rock with, I love. So yeah, he's I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, he was going in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a good album. It's a good complete album. Okay, really good. That's a bet. Uh, what other Big Sean's uh, album was all right to me? It's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all right. I just was finished. Um, 
I don't know, I kind of stick with the album. I kind of kill it. So <laughs> the album I just finished killing it was uh, Run the Jewels. Oh yeah, um, Run the Jewels three. three. So I, yeah. I destroyed that one. So don't I, get captured. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was about a, a good December, January. Just me, nothing but just that was on. Yeah, so I know my, I kill it, and then I had to go to something else. Um, yeah. See, for me, I I play I'll in the beginning when it releases, I'll play it a couple of times because I I. I'm trying to get back to writing reviews. I just don't have the time yet. Right. But uh, it still gives me able to talk about it on the podcast. But after I listen to it a couple of times, I'll put it down and go to the next one. And then if it's really good, I'll keep it in the rotation. Like the J. Cole's been staying in the rotation. Odyssey. Odyssey's album. Mm. Iceberg. That's a good album, too. Okay. He's, I've heard of I've heard of Odyssey. I haven't heard of it. He's, 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 ooh, yeah. He's good. Okay. He's a producer, rapper, um, deep. Yeah, he's, I would definitely, I think you would like him. Okay. I'm and check that out. the album that got me really interested in him was The Good Fight. Is is a real positive album about just basically finding the good fight. Like, regardless of what everybody anticipates or what everybody says, you're going to do what you think is right, regardless of what outside world thinks. True. Is kind of the theme of the of that album. Okay. So, yeah, I would check that one out. What what do you think is the about the state of music now? Just the fact that with the internet being so available, anybody and everybody can basically put up a, a track and become an artist. What do you think about that? And specifically hip hop. Right, hip hop. So specifically, I do like that. I like that, you know, we have easy access to music. So, you know, with SoundCloud and then, you know, just different with ways. Spotify, that, Spotify Tidal, and, Apple Music. Yeah. Right. Easy way for, you know, for us to get music really Really, it's really accessible, which is real good. So, which makes it you know good for the, the listener. For me, mm-hmm. I do think like as of late, I, I have been oversaturated by it. So it's like I can't enjoy a project f- because it's so much music. It feels like every five seconds is something There's a new one coming out. A new one coming out. So I, that's I've been a little frustrated by like by by that. So it's like I can't. I I want to be able to sit down and enjoy it and like think about it, go back to it. But I'm, I'm having a hard time doing that because like I'm always. Waiting for the next album to drop. So it's like over. It, it does seem like it's an oversaturation mm-hmm. of music right now, which isn't a bad thing, I guess. I mean, it's, it's good people are getting their music out and eating. You know, they gotta, and you know, they're working. So, but I, but again, it just feels that way. Um, as far as like the the state of like the sound, like you know, I've always I heard as you know, there's a lot of debates about like you know, with the 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 new style isn't like as good as the old style. Mm-hmm. I personally like I, I'm more partial to like kind of more not old school hip hop but more like lyrical things that that say something to me like more of a message to me but yeah but i mean i do like some of the 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 newer stuff i i can i really can't get with too much <laughs> some of it's all right but some of it just you know that's that's where i'm at and I, it's just i can't get with it Evan maddie which is our other podcast member he's uh like i said i mean i feel like there's a place and a time for it like right. if i'm at a club baddie bougie come on i'm not gonna lie yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a, you know what I'm saying? But for me, it just, I can't, it can, it has to be more than just a vibe. Right. And that's what I feel like hip hop, a lot of the music now is just, it's about the vibe and not about, like you said, the message. Right. Like I said, every track doesn't have to have a message. Uh, every track doesn't have to be deep. Every track doesn't have to be conscious. But you can't give me. 12, 12 16 right, yeah. tracks of mumble rap and vibe rap like i need i need something. i gotta stimulate my mind too and that's like and going back to another except this time it's a uh absolute quote hip is for the movement or no hip is for intelligence and hop is for the movement right yeah I heard so that, yeah. like i need that intelligent aspect of it as well like i need 
Yeah, you can give me the movement, and that's what I'll call the vibe. Right, but I mean, I need to but think I, about something. But I need to think about something as well. And right. if you can provide both, you in there. And it doesn't even, you know, for me, you're right, I definitely think that you know, music that challenges me intellectually, like, you know, Absol does a great job mm-hmm. at that. Um, But even, like, things that I can, like, relate to, like, personal experience. So yeah. When people talk about, like, Freddie Gibbs, he's a, he does a great at storytelling, so yeah. he talks about this. You know, I don't necessarily have been through everything, you know, by no means, but, you know, that greediness it's enough like this, of that you is, can relate is, to is real yes yeah. i can appreciate that yeah i i'm definitely i'm definitely with you on that is that like it, it doesn't have to all be conscious it doesn't have to be like oh now i'm thinking about the universe and no yeah. it, you, it, it doesn't always have to be that but it has to be like you said it has to have one of those or it has to be relatable right exactly relatable or something that i can resonate to right um because like with j cole's deja vu I mean, not deja vu. Uh, she's mine, part two. When he's talking about his daughter, I don't have any kids. Right, right. But I can still relate to falling, you know, being in love and and loving something. And I mean, I love my dog, and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah. like, you know, what I'm saying yeah. like, but it's, it's you, not yeah. a kid. But yeah. I can still relate to the fact of loving something other than yourself. Hundred percent, yeah. And caring about something other than yourself. Right. So that that idea and the way that he presents it, you can get that. Right. And the same thing with Freddie Gibbs. That's and that's that's my favorite part about hip hop is the storytelling, and right. that's what that's, drew, what it, that's what made me fall in love. Same here. Like I remember, you know, for me the the first track that for me like I think I I've, I've always loved hip hop. That's always something I listened to. So again, my my parents when I were are young. So mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up, you know, nineties parents essentially. But um, I think like the song that always like sparked me was like Kick Push. Like Lupe Fiasco's yeah. first album was like. Well, since I listen to that, I kind of relate to that because I was kind of that type of kid. Mm. And so like, ever since then, that anything that kind of speaks to me in that way, I can kind of get with. That makes sense. And I mean, like I said, I can feel that. I can understand that. What's your favorite album or track that you listen to to get like motivated to mm. to keep to keep going? Do you have one? Oh, man. Um, and I know it's hard putting you on the spot yeah. last, last <laughs> minute because there's probably a lot going through your head. And you're like, well, I don't want to pick that one because I don't want to leave that one out. So... It doesn't have to be your Keep favorite, me. but just one that you can think of that that motivates you. I think there's two types of motivation. So I get mm-hmm. one motivation is a motivation for action, mm-hmm. and then the other motivation is like the motivation, like for me to be act to to do something. Um, and then the other motivation is for me to like kind of just like keep going, like more mm-hmm. of an internal. So I think for me, like the work, I like Killer Mike. He's one of my favorite artists. So when I listen to some of his music, he definitely puts me in the mindset of like do work, kind of yeah. like get in these streets and do what I got to do. Whatever that case may be, you yeah. can be in, you know, sitting down writing a paper or writing a grant. <laughs> but I'm going to get like, this done. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get yeah. this. For, you know, I got something at stake. So I like some of his messages because he does have like more of an action-oriented approach to things. So uh, that'll be that'll be it for him, for that. For like the the more internal, like kind of just motivating me to keep going when it's hard. Um, I like listening to like, I would say probably J. Cole probably be a good one for me because he, he does give me a lot of like personal motivation mm-hmm. things to think about little gems. It's like, all right, like kind of like, you know, you, you mentioned the quote, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher, I suck at quotes, but like, you know, everyone, you know, your life is is the best for you. You, yeah. can, you know, you can't just like, track. Yeah, from you know, uh, 2014 for sale drive. Right. So it makes me think like, all right, things could be rough, but you know what? Like I'm going to keep beyond the the, op, the positive to, you know, be optimistic about it and keep going. Yeah. I know this is always a tough one for everybody, but who's your favorite MC? I'll, I'll it actually I'll break it down into two. I'll give you old and new. Okay, so of all time, my favorite MC. Hmm, that's hard. I think that's hard. That is hard. The MC that the song that always spoke to me. I, I wouldn't necessarily say he say. I, I mean, to me, he's like one of my favorites. Is Most Dev. 
Yeah, it no, doesn't have to be. Umi, the, it doesn't have yeah. to be that who's lyrically the like, like the dopest, right? It just who resonates with you the most. That yeah. So old school, well not old school, but like older is I think most deaf is particular particularly the song Umi says like that that track that, those drums man yeah like it hit me every time it's like yo like I, I stop and just like I I can't do nothing but just like zone in that song I, I'm locked into the song yeah. um so Any, I think anytime yeah. that song comes on regardless of where I'm at if I'm mid conversation it's like it's like hold up okay yeah exactly <laughs> like, yeah like yeah, yeah that <laughs> push is things on pause for yeah. a second um new so the artists that are right now um that really just like relevant right now so it's a lot of them, I think. Um, you can give, you can give a couple. I won't I won't I won't break it down to one. Uh, I I'll give you room. To, I'll give you a little wiggle room. All right. I think for right now, I think the the. So I think I have like three that I'm thinking about, um, okay. and I, I guess there's I don't I wouldn't consider them. I so we think about new as in like they're putting out music now, or they just new as in like they're just come on the scene as of recent. I'd say, shoot, either or. Okay. You just have, whatever it is, just qualify so that that everybody else know. All right. Um, so I think the first artist would probably be, I like Saha the Prince. He's one of my, he's one of my favorite artists in terms I like of, Sahai. you know, I think he, I wish he would put out more music. That's, and that's what I was going to, that's, that's the reason why I can't put him up there because I've heard the last, the album that he came out with was like, it feels like three, four years ago. The the one that I'm thinking about where he had the, I can't think of the like, name is of it. The Ivy League or yeah. something? Yeah. Like Okay. I just remember there was a video and it was uh, like black and gray. Because didn't he sign the good music? Yeah, he did. It was right after he signed the good music, that album. Yeah. Is yeah. that that's yeah. the, that's how? Yeah. yeah. That's what you're talking about. And I was like, okay. Because when I heard him on uh, Kanye's, when I heard him on Kanye's, uh, he was on one of Kanye's tracks. I can't think of the name of it right now. I was like, oh, yo, this dude spits. And then I started checking out his mixtapes and just background stuff. And then I heard that album. I was like, okay. I was like, it's a cool album, but I I think he has more to give. Yeah, and you're 100 right. Um, and I think I like him because when he does drop a, a drop a song, I always just like it makes you it does make you think. And he has a different perspective mm-hmm. on things. So like, I definitely would check out the song. His his recent song, he has a video for it too. Um, but it's crazy. Like I, the the themes of the song and how he he frames it. Basically, the song is like black people. You know, if we would go back and we made you know instead of Atlanta being a place of strip clubs, maybe that's Mozambique. And maybe mm. if Puffy, instead of, you know, you know, he might be buy he might buy up some some property in like Sierra Leone. And like, if we took our assets and we brought we, it, back. We bought it Demarcus, what would that look like? You know? The Marcus Garvey. Yeah. So to me, it's like, man, it's 10 out on the track and the way he flows on it, it's pretty cool. So I'm I, I can't. I'm definitely check that out. So when he does drop gems, I like, I, I really like. Okay. So you got Sahai. So the other two, I just had to look at my my playlist. I, I was drawing some blanks. I like Isaiah Rashad a lot. Yeah. Um. So I I did you know Sylvia demo that um, sold was, me. That was it. Um. And then the Sun's Tide Ray. That was that was that was it. So I like Sylvia demo better. Right. And I'm gonna be real. When I first heard Sun's Tide Ray, at first, like when I uh, at first very first listen, yeah. I was like, no. Okay. I was so like, no. How many listens did it take you to get into the it? The second time. Okay. Because I think what and I and I know actually I I don't think I know what happened is I wanted because I I really enjoyed Sylvia Demo when I first heard Sylvia Demo I was like oh I, I just I like the his production I like the type of production that he was picking and I like his flow over it right I just I like the the dynamic that he had the juxtaposition between the production and his and his flow pattern it was like production mm. was so soft but he was so aggressive it was but yeah. he was flowing yeah. he was flowing so smooth it was like how are you doing this? You're flowing smoothly over the beat, but you're so aggressive. Right. 
and that's like what I blend, yeah. And that's what I liked about him. And I didn't initially feel that on the Sunside Raid because it was it has a different feel. Yeah. And then I once I after the first listen, I was like, oh no. I was like, I'm gonna listen to it again. And on the second listen, I went in more with the open mind. Right. And I was like, I'm gonna just accept it for what it is and see if I like it or not. Okay. And then I again, I still don't like it as much as Sylvia demo because yeah. there are some tracks on there. I'm like, yeah, we're Sylvia demo. I let that just roll. Yeah, I still do now. I just let that roll. Right. I can every track I can let go. Where on the Sunset Raid, there's some tracks I'm like, eh. I, I do feel myself like maybe eh, I can skip this yeah. one, but I feel you. So that's why. But I do think he's a dope artist though. Okay, that's Good, yeah, dope young artist. And I, I do want to see how he's gonna push it for the next album. I do, yeah. And um, then who's your third? So the third is actually a top between two. So I would say right now, my my favorite artist has group, and they really have they kind of let me down. But it's always been like the underachievers. I don't know if you ever heard of that group. Mm-mm. So they're based out of Flatbush, um, but it's two brothers who and they the one guy's name Issa Gold, the other was called AK. I've been to like pretty much every time they have a show, I've been to every show they have. Um, they can they can they can go. They 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 talk about. It's not necessarily conscious, but it's more of a gritty, um, grittiness, but it definitely has like themes about like existentialism and space mm. and different things like that they talk about. So they're pretty good. I, I like them. Um, and then the, the other one I was it was a toss up is Mick Jenkins out of ah. Chicago. Didn't too much care for the last one as much as I like his his last project. I forget what the it's healing called. The healing component? The healing component. It was all right. I like that one. But the no, the waters is the, the one. The water is my favorite. Yeah. The waters is that's yeah. I think it's one of the best, I won't say one of the, it's, no, I will say it's one of the best concept albums. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. just because he yeah. keeps the theme going, right. but he still gives you so many different interesting ways of bringing up the same topic. And that's what I really enjoyed about that album. And, and I like I like the Hilly component too. And I like how he does this very, you know, it's theme based. He has it, the theme. It's just not through. as good as the waters. It's so. not as good as the waters. No, I agree. Um, but I like him. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. So I, between those four artists, I like the artists I'm like looking at, really trying to figure out what they're going to do next. I'm going to have to check out the underachievers because yeah. I, I don't, I don't know about them, but that's yeah, that's, a, that's a solid list. Yeah, that's I would check solid. out specifically "Conversations with the Butterflies." My favorite. That's one of my favorite albums, like by by them. Um, but it's smooth. It's it's smooth and it's yeah, it's good. All right, I just wrote that down so I can uh, check that out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Got to keep my ears to the streets. I would add Boss or Bass. I don't. Uh, yeah. I'm quite not sure how it's pronounced. I, boss. Yeah. I think it's Boss. Okay. He's alright. I like him. Did you hear, have you heard of Too High to Write? Yeah, yeah, I like, I like that album. Yeah. I like that album. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else can I think of? Flashbush, Flatbush Zombie. Flatbush. So Underachievers and Flatbush kind of running the same. Okay. They, they put out a, a like a, a joint album together. Okay. Um, that was pretty good. But I like Flatbush. Well, you know the name of their joint album? Yeah, it's called Clockwork Indigo. Oh, okay. Um, that was that one. I heard of that album. I didn't know who it was by though. Somebody else told me about it. I like, I like but I don't remember them. The Lace Odyssey album. That was, yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah. That was yeah, my they, first real album that I heard of it. I, I've listened to other singles and tracks. Yeah. But that was the first album that I actually listened to front to back. Yeah. From them. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I like, and to me, this album was like, not cartoony, but like they're very like, char- I like yeah. the, each one have like a very distinct voice. It reminded me of kind of Wu-Tang. Definitely so. Because there's, well, not as definitely not as many, many as yeah. Wu Tang, but there's enough of them that, and they're so different. Yeah, 
that you can once they come on it's like all right yeah yeah i get you and they ride the beat so differently even though it all matches and it works it works well yeah and oh i would check out um another podcast uh, I'll tell you off air. Yeah, that's, that's a bad. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give him a shout out because I think it's a really good podcast, and it is enough out here for all of us. Uh, the Sound Exploder. They did a uh, song, song Exploder. I'm sorry. Mm. And what they do is, he talks to the artist and how the production was made. Um, mm. So he he talked to uh, I can't think of the name, but one of the the dude that produced the the beat to I'm not I can't remember which song. He talks about how he produced it. He's in the he's in the group Flatbird Zombies. He's one of the members. Okay, yeah. And then the it's like Eric is an architect, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then the MCs talked about yeah. how they came in on the beat and that's, why they oh, chose yeah, what dope. they I did. Gotta check and that so out. it was it was really interesting how he breaks down and he's literally like he'll say, Yeah, I really got this first layer from this sample and then they'll play the part that it is mm-hmm. from it. And as he's going through it, they're building the production. So you hear it build it. To me, that was the, the best part about it. Is yeah, that's crazy. It's like, because I like, again, I like the process. Right. And so I, I thought it was really interesting, especially the creative process. Yeah. I would I would check that out. Definitely so. I want to say thank you again for coming and blessing the Stay Woke podcast, your organization, and just letting us get to know you. And I think uh, it will inspire a lot of people. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you uh, for having me. No problem. Is there anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, not really i think you know definitely check out some of the work that we have going on um yeah i'm good okay no problem um i want to just let all our listeners know thank you for listening to another stay woke podcast we'll have uh the website on our page so um, we'll have a link to the website so you can go to our page to get it or you can just go to profoundgentleman.org and check out that website donate if you can um again it's to a great cause of helping our education system uh particularly um men of color um so that young boys that are of color have something to look up forward to and keep these teachers in 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 the school system um because we need them uh there's a few things we need in this world that we absolutely need police good ones <laughs> right doctors and teachers true that's it. Well, and farmers, because we need food. Yeah. Those those are the bare minimums of the things we as a society need. Right, right. And so we need to invest in all those things. To me, health and education are the most important out of those, health, education, and food are the most important out of those four. But hey, I'm not a politician. <laughs> but again, so uh, I want to say thank you for everybody for listening to another Stay Woke podcast. Uh, check us out next week. We know we drop it every Friday on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Podomatic, and of course, the sonicbreakdown.com. And you know our motto live, listen to some great music, and above all, love more. We out.